A man has gone into heaven, and he's taken his seat at the right hand. A man, flesh and blood, just like yours, just like mine. And his spirit now fills the whole earth. But it wasn't always the case, was it? We are used to these things. His ascension, his going into heaven, his session at the right hand is old news. And this pouring out of his Holy Spirit, well, it's just a matter of fact. It seems to us that it's always been like this. What is familiar to us, though, was not always the case. You heard in that second reading how devout men out of every nation stood in awe. They were confounded. They were filled with marveling. And why? We hear them speak in our own tongues the mighty works of God. A man has gone into heaven. Jesus is on the throne, and his spirit now fills the whole earth. So every nation under heaven hears in its own language the work of redemption. It's all familiar to us, though, isn't it? And you know what familiarity breeds. What is so familiar to us, though, was once astounding. Now notice, right, notice that it's not the fire or the wind that they were marveling over. Certainly those signs must have been stunning. That's what brought them to that house. Behold, they must have said, these men are on fire, but they are not consumed. How can this be? Behold, a loud rushing wind is shaking the very walls. That certainly got their attention. But what caused them to gush to one another, what caused them to marvel was preaching. It was the preaching of those men that caused all of the devout men from all over the known world wonder. Not just any preaching, but preaching the wonderful works of God in their own language. They saw and they heard in unquenchable fire. A man has gone into heaven. Jesus is on the throne, and his spirit now fills the whole earth. For them, it was all brand new. But for us, well, for us, it's old news. For us, these things that were once so marvelous, these things that were once so wonderful, seem so familiar. And you know what familiarity breeds, don't you? The good news, the gospel, that a man has gone into heaven, that he has sent his spirit here to earth, feels like old news. Sure, those mighty things were impressive once upon a time, but you know what, Jesus, what have you done for me lately? Familiarity breeds contempt, we say. And when we look around at our depraved nation, as we come especially to the month of June, and we will be inundated with a perverted rainbow, which will suddenly appear all around us, we can't help but think, what has happened to us? Is Jesus still on the throne? Is his spirit still filling the old world? The fire that came at Pentecost seems to have died down, and now everything looks just kind of burnt over, doesn't it? And it's not only the case in the world outside of the church, is it? For even in here, that burnt-over feeling is not hard to find. In the church, we can't help but wonder, did we become too familiar with this? Jesus on the throne, his spirit filling the earth, but 
Well, you know, Jesus, the pews aren't quite as full as they once were. The amens and the alleluias, they don't resound with as much gusto as they did once upon the time. And if you drive around, you can see it, right? You can see the wear and tear on the houses of God very easily. Committees scramble to find officers. Any breathing, any living body will do. Just are you willing? The choir books gather dust. And the church calendar that was once bustling with activity, that once was the gravitational center of our lives, well, it gets pushed off to the side. Now it's largely empty or simply ignored. Jesus, our brother, is on the throne. His spirit fills the whole earth with the preaching of wonderful news. But what once was the marvel of the world now is largely met with a yawn. Rather than marveling at fiery tongues of preaching, sermons are measured now by how fast they can get over with. And so the question is begged, are we too familiar with these things? After all, nothing can stay novel for long, can it? Everything loses its luster with time. Have we become too familiar with God? It may seem like an odd question, but I think it's certainly warranted. And yet, familiarity is the goal, isn't it? We have it on good authority. In fact, we have it on all the authority in heaven on earth that we are supposed to become familiar with God. We are supposed to make the teachings of Jesus so familiar that they are like, well, like the waters in the ocean. Everywhere we look, everywhere we think, everywhere we act, we are to see the teaching of Jesus. All nations are not just to be aware in some small degree, not just to have a semblance of a notion about who Jesus is, but our mission given by him is to make his name familiar, to make his teaching, the common knowledge, the common possession, the common tongue and language of the whole earth. Jesus on the throne, his spirit filling the whole earth like waters cover the sea. Familiarity is not the problem. Familiarity is the goal. No, the problem is not that we are too familiar. The problem is that we are not familiar enough with God. We settle for a small candle flame, but Jesus wants a rip-roaring bonfire. Now, it's true, isn't it, that familiarity breeds contempt, which is to say it breeds boredom. That's true, we should we should uh, put in a little note, that's true about finite things. Once you've eaten a few peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you don't want any more. Once you've unpacked your lunch at school for the 20th time and seen what mom made you and found, oh man, it's Jif and grape jelly, you know what to expect. And so you start trying to make trades. Hey, does anybody else want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? And everybody says the same thing. No thanks, hard pass, we've had it before. And even more complex things, right? It's not just true about peanut butter, but even more complex, finite experiences are all bound by this law of diminishing returns. And so addicts always crave a new high. Thrill seekers always want fresh experiences. And no matter where you go on vacation, there's always the hope that the next one will be better. The more frequently we repeat something, the smaller our return on investment. It seems like an iron law. 
It's also true, though, isn't it, what our mothers used to tell us, what maybe some of them still do, that only the boring people get bored. Remember that saying? The point is that children who complain that they're bored need to learn how to imagine, to explore, to see the wonder of the world all around them. And when they learn that, when they learn that, then the whole world opens up to them. But it's also true It's also true that if you aren't at least a little bit bored by the things of this world, the things that get explained away by this world, then you are a boring person. A man who still marvels at peanut butter and jelly sandwiches needs to expand his palate. I'm sorry if I'm insulting you. It's just true. When I was a child, I fought like a child. I ate like a child. But when you grow up, you have to put the peanut butter and jelly away. My point is this, you were not made to be satisfied with finite things. You were made, you were made to know God. Man was made to be in communion with his creator, to see more, right, than the other animals see, to converse with the most high God in prayer and in praise, to not simply live by instinct, to not simply be set on repeat, You were made to know the Lord and to live in his image. You were meant to live for more, we might say, than peanut butter and jelly. You are more than just an economic animal. You are more than a brick in a wall, a cog in a machine. And so if you aren't at least a little bit bored by reading the headlines, by watching the news, and just passing through this world, then I'm sorry to say you've become boring. But there's good news for people who get bored. The Spirit means to ignite you today. For even the most sophisticated, right, even the so-called scientific explanations of the world all around us will end up in boredom because they always, they always eliminate, eliminate the infinite, the one who is the source of beauty and goodness from the beginning to the end. So just suppose, right, just think about this for a minute. Suppose that what is obviously not the case were in fact true. Suppose that somehow the world exists without a creator. Now, perhaps that explanation can say some interesting things. But without a designer, there is no beauty. There is no purpose. Without an author, words on a page cannot be a story. They might look interesting. We might be able to theorize about what it all means, But without the author who gives meaning, we're left with nothing really to wonder at or to marvel about. Pentecost is a jolt to this world. It is a jolt to a dying and boring and bored world. To those who settle for candlelight, God gives a furnace today. It was then and it is still the case. The Spirit of God is poured out and the wonderful works of God are proclaimed to you today in your own tongue. Here is something that cannot grow old. Here is something at last that cannot fade away, that cannot grow dim. Here is something that does not obey the law of diminishing returns. For still the mighty deeds of God hold true for you. And it's all as wonderful now as it was then. Still, the Father sent his Son to join his infinite power to your frail flesh. Still, the Son of God has offered himself in your place, not because the ruler of this world had any claim on him, but because he loved the Father and gladly obeyed the Father's will. 
It was the love of the Son for his Father, that infinite love that meant he loved to lay down his life for you, a finite creature. And still, still the Son, Jesus Christ, united to our frail flesh, is risen and is ascended. One of us is on the throne. Jesus is on the throne. Still from that throne, this Jesus, our Jesus, sends his Holy Spirit, sends his Spirit to reignite, to bring to mind all that Jesus has done for you. Still, he opens the mouth of men to preach not boring old things, but to preach the eternal good news. And where he brings Christ and his words to mind, he brings you to share in an infinite life. That great exchange of Christ taking your place is now accompanied by the great change of you sharing in his place. Our problem is not that we have become too familiar with these things. That's impossible. Jesus is on the throne. His spirit fills the earth. The problem is not that we are too familiar. The problem is we aren't familiar enough. The reason our nation lies in ruin is because the word of Christ did not and has not entered down into our bones deep enough. The reason that churches have grown hollow is not because the wonderful works of God became too familiar. The problem is not that the light grows dim or that the fire has burned out. The problem, the problem is that we did not come far enough into the light. We warmed ourselves at the edge of the fire when we ought to have jumped in. Now, if you're familiar with American history, you may know of what's called the Great Awakenings. These were times in our country's history when it seemed, it seemed like Pentecost was happening all over again. The proclamation of the mighty acts of God was sweeping through our land. Revivals were all the rage. It was like Pentecost all over again. But then something strange happened. In those places where the Great Awakenings happened, in those places where the fire of Pentecost seemed to be burning so brightly, something strange took over. Those places that were awakened became known as burnt-over districts. You know why? Because men and women and children grew weary. They grew bored. They grew tired of the attempts to manipulate religious feelings. See, the law of diminishing returns can set in even in the church, where the mighty acts of God are set aside, where an emotional experience or some other kind of thing is put in place of the Lord, the law of diminishing returns sets in. And so many who were supposedly awakened fell back asleep. But look, the Holy Spirit does not produce burnt-over districts. He produces burning bushes. Familiarity with the Holy Spirit, with the mighty works of God, recorded in Scripture and proclaimed in the church, burns and does not consume. Even once the fire no longer appeared over the heads of those apostles, still the Spirit burned deeply in their souls. And so here is good news for you as an individual. Here is good news for us as a congregation. Here is good news for the church as a whole. Here is good news for every nation under heaven that grows old and weary and hollow and rotten. Jesus is on the throne. His spirit fills the whole earth. And the more familiar you are with the fire of God's spirit, the more you will find that he burns but does not consume. 
His law is always full of new wonders. And just when you think you have reached the bottom, just when you suppose that you have plumbed the depths, you will find new applications, for his wisdom is endless. And his gospel, that good news, is full of life, not just when you're little, not just when you're middle age, not even just when you are an old man on your deathbed. For the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of life. And just when you think that you've got it all down pat, you will find new dimensions of his love because his love is inexhaustible. There are always new avenues to explore. There are always new ventures to go on. There are always new visions to see. Because Jesus, our brother, is on the throne and his Holy Spirit fills the whole earth. A fire burns in this world that cannot grow old. So don't worry about becoming too familiar. It's not possible. Only the boring will get bored of him. And even if you have felt yourself growing dull and dim, fear not for today. Today he is still able. He is still able and willing to kindle your imagination anew. To Christ be the glory now and forever. Amen.